Hello, I'm Henrik and you're listening to Rekt. Hello and welcome to Wrecked Podcast. I am your host, Chamber. Uh, I am unfortunately missing my cohort today, uh, Bunchu. He is unfortunately uh, having some technical difficulties in his travels, so he will not be joining us today. Uh, but I am pleased to have Henrik Yelta from Chromia. Uh, Henrik, how are you today? I'm great. It's, Did uh... I... Yeah. Did I pronounce the last name properly? I, I yeah, to, that that was, uh, was really good. For, close for, enough for uh, North American. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you uh, didn't notice, it's a Swedish name. So it is a Swedish name. Stockholm, so, yeah. That's uh, yeah. So yeah, how how are things in Stockholm today? Is the weather uh, weather sunny. nice? It's really nice. Like uh, prolonging of our summer. That's yeah. good. We are starting to feel the end of the summer here in uh, in North America. <laughs> the, the the nights have been getting cooler. The sun has been going down uh, much faster, and uh, I'm not liking it. I, I'm a big fan of summer. It gets nice and warm where I live, and uh, it also gets nice and cold where I live, so I'm not looking forward to the cold. Um, I, I guess we'd have... I, I live in Canada, um, in the southern part of Canada. I think our weather would be pretty similar. You're, it gets fairly cold in Sweden, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, in January. I just February, go by... yes. The, the reason... December. <laughs> the reason I know this is I just go by, um, obviously I'm a, uh, in Canada, we watch a lot of hockey and I know who our competitors are on a, on a kind of international basis. I know Sweden's always in the mix. I know Russia's always in the mix. So I just assume those are cold, cold places to live. Um, so yeah, no, are you, uh, were you a big hockey fan at all growing up? Uh, no, not, not that really, um. Uh... We have another winter sport actually called boundy with curved sticks, something as well on ice. Oh, so really? Like something played in Finland, Sweden, Russia. Interesting. <laughs> so yeah, it's more into I... that actually. Interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, okay, so you are. <clears throat> what is your exact title within uh, the Chromia project? Uh, I'm the chief executive officer, right? CEO. Sh- so we started CEO. off, yeah. So we started off with with a company, Chroma Way, and then we came up with a Chromia ID. So yeah. now maybe we get into that a little bit, uh, um, because I know when I was researching the project, um, there was Chroma Way, and now there's Chromia. Chroma Way is 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 that the parent company, and then Chromia is kind of built from there. Is that how that works? Yeah, but it would be uh, more of a project than a company. But we would have like. A, so Chrome right now, would be the the company, and then the project would be Chromia. Is that what we're, is that what we're saying? We actually have a, a company that is owning the tokens and investing into the project, but eventually it will be be an independent project that will run on its own, not controlled by by our organization. Oh, perfect! Uh, but yeah, you know, maybe we'll we'll keep a keep a company to do consulting on the platform, etc. I see support services. Well, that makes so, sense. Now, can you give us a little bit of a kind of a high-level explanation of what Chromia is is doing? 
Yeah, so I mean, first we have a long history here. Uh, our CTO made the first token protocol ever in 2012. You could suddenly in use in 2012. Bitcoin. Yeah, you could, that is a long time. Before that, you had Bitcoin as a currency. Uh, yes, but now with his colored coins project that he was leading, you can issue tokens like you could have shares on the Bitcoin network or uh, tokens representing uh, art or whatever. Right. So that became inspiration to a lot of projects. For example, uh, Ethereum. Uh, Vitalik was even our open source product before he came up with Ethereum. So you and, worked uh, with Vitalik in the past? Yes, uh, we did. Uh, oh, that's interesting. It was a kind of a short, short period before he right. was frustrated with, with the arguments and decided to do his own thing. Uh, but we went into more doing a uh, company rather than the open source product and did a lot of work in enterprise tech. Uh, but now we're sort of back into the public blockchains with this idea. And the, the core of the idea is that we want to make a very easy to use yet powerful environment to create decentralized applications. And is that where uh, power to the public comes from? Yeah, that that is uh, the vision that we can have applications that are controlled by the general public, the users, etc. For example, in social networks, we want to have this argument around uh, Twitter and Facebook and Google controlling everything. Uh, whereas we as users are, are, are mainly users and don't have much of a say. So that's kind of the vision around the decentralized applications that we're, we're talking about. I am pleased to announce we have been joined also by another uh, head of the Chromia project, Alex Mizrahi. Alex, how are you today? I am fine. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, so we were we were just talking about the weather in Sweden and uh, and alternate forms of hockey that is played in uh, some of our Scandinavian countries. Um, so we have we're still early in the conversation. Um, I was talking to Henrik about um, the uh, the addition of uh, of some kind of higher profile people uh, within the, uh, the the Chromia and the Chromia space, um, and just the fact that you've the, the team for Chromia has been around for so long. Um, obviously, uh, some a little bit of time with uh, with Vitalik. Um, but what I was about to ask is, you also have some connections with uh, Charlie Lee and uh, Vinny Lingham. Is that correct? Is that correct? Yes. Uh, with Charlie Lee, we actually did a research project together uh, on like academic research on uh, cryptocurrencies, and then we. Uh, also, he became an advisor for Chromaway, and we met. Uh, I mean, more, not not me personally. I was mostly talking with him over emails and such. And yeah, like yeah, we also had uh, basically a lot of interaction with Vinny Lincoln uh, as well when we were uh, founding uh, Chromaway. Yeah, I met both of them, played poker with Charlie Lee, me, me and Or, and yeah, met met Vina several times. Uh, That's interesting. So, did you uh, who who came out the victor in the uh, in the in the poker games? Uh, or maybe I didn't I didn't play, but actually my co-founders played. So, but uh, I'm not I don't remember who who won. We had a, we had a fourth co-founder at the time that was really intelligent, Ido, that uh, 
was really good at this stuff as well. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not very. Uh, I'm not a very good poker player myself. So uh, uh, yeah, people usually take my money. Um, so I do have a question um, because I keep seeing the term post chain uh, when it comes to Chromia. Um, what exactly does that mean when uh, when you use the term post chain? Uh, so we build uh, basically like uh, when I approach software projects, I like to generalize and not solve just one specific problem, but so make some framework for solving like whole class of problems. Uh, so that's basically PostChain is our blockchain framework. It's uh, kind of designed to be very flexible, probably more flexible than your average blockchain project by far. And it can work in many different situations. So Chromia is basically it's based on PostChain. Uh, Chromia uses PostChain, some specific, very specific configuration, which is specific for Chromia. But you can also use PostChain as enterprise um, uh, blockchain or in any other way, for example, could also work maybe as a combination of private and public network uh, or maybe for some research project, we plan to make it even more flexible in future. So um, people will be able to build uh, new, very new things, maybe new type of consensus or new type of transaction processing using post chain. And also like one, one of important features that it stores data in a relational database. So basically that's what PostChain does. It combines blockchain and the relational database and Chromium uses it as like main components essentially. That's interesting. So um, with, with blockchain, with, with a lot of projects, uh, not necessarily just crypto blockchain projects, uh, they typically say you can, you can build something fast secure or cheap you get to pick two out of those three um does chromia fit into that as well or have we do we have all three of those bases covered uh well i believe that in theory you can basically if you follow some template uh then you can actually get all three because you don't it doesn't have to be very expensive when you uh, not doing something very complex and we try with our staff we try to take as much complexity as possible away so we handle things automatically we provide some configuration templates and so on uh, so it it can be done uh, much faster than uh, basically on other blockchains or the frameworks and we hope we, we still like not you know 100% sure it's not like not like it have been used uh, uh, in various situations for 10 years. We cannot really say that we know for sure it will be secure. But uh, basically with this kind of high level templates and so on and high level language, it's probably going to be much more secure than your average project. And so it's, it's actually, I believe it's actually possible to build new projects basically on very tight budget and make them work great. If there is something that is proven to work in, in computer science and the real world, it is databases, relational databases or SQL databases, if you're accustomed with that term. I mean, it's based on mathematics from the 70s, implementations from, from late 70s. Um, Oracle, a large company is built around that idea. We have implementation from IBM, Microsoft, Oracle, 
open source implementation, MariaDB, uh, MySQL, Postgres, etc. It's been used in production for 30 years. In I would say that every enterprise across the world has quite a lot of relational databases. It's basically a de facto standard for storing, structuring, managing data and make sure that you have correct data. So it's basically a best practice. And at the end of the, um, so, at the end of the yeah. day, is that what Chromio is looking to be as is um, that relational data kind of uh, project? I mean, it, it's the core. We are the only product that has that at the core thinking. It's not only a database; it's also a general purpose language. Mm-hmm. But but you get all that power and basically proven track record. Uh, but we do some improvements as well to 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 the the normal language of creating database applications like SQL. I guess that Alex can can talk more about those technical details. But from a business perspective, uh, you're an entrepreneur. Uh, if you wanted to start Facebook, like mm-hmm. that, like happened, you hacked together something with PHP and MySQL. That's basically the de facto standard for making a social network. If right. you want to do an enterprise application like SAP, what's behind it? Yeah, SQL. Like that's basically. Uh, it's unthinkable to have a large system that is only in Java and storing information in either files or even in NoSQL databases. Basically, it, it's so common that you even don't even notice it. Exactly. And, and I think that's a, that's a key point is when something becomes so common and so mass uh, use, used across the masses that it becomes unnoticeable. So um, I guess that seems to uh, kind of follows up my next my next question here um, is is why somebody would choose to build on Chromia instead of you know Ethereum or EOS or any of the any of these other you know DApps projects uh, that are out there and it sounds like maybe that's one of the major points. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I think it's much easier to model uh, if you have any non-trivial data. Uh, relationship between like you can model the relationship between different objects or records and things like that and you want to cure index that so it's much easier to do something like that on chromia than on ethereum or eos so any project using this non-trivial amount of like data like uh, some at least some complexity they can benefit a lot from uh using chromia and also it's just a different business model, like uh, Chromia doesn't charge you per byte processed or anything like that. It's uh, basically we, we want to, to it to be to scale much more and make resources much uh, available basically at market rate. Uh, it uh, basically it's quite complex uh, and uh, uh, as ambitious like how we how we do that that requires some uh, new stuff on consensus layer and some assumptions about uh, how computation is done and so on. But uh, the idea is that we can provide these resources much cheaper and make them abundant and also resources themselves. They can kind of, we can query database right, right away and get this data. So basically people can do much bigger applications which aim at like millions of users can't really do that on other blockchains. That's interesting. Now I'm I'm looking at the um, some of the partnerships, and I like to pronounce things properly, but I'm not going to try to pronounce some of these partnerships. Um, but some of the key some of the key terms I'm seeing here are land registry and and using using this project 
um, in in kind of land registry as a focus. Is that am I off base there? Is that correct? A little bit off base, but not completely. That's okay. I'll take a little bit off. Base. <laughs> I mean, uh, we have been working for some years in the government space and the, the enterprise space. So we, we we managed to get the product with the Swedish Land Registry and a consortium of, of different banks and uh, other companies, uh, as well as that, other that, public sector players. And then we got other products around land registration in India, Australia, Canada, etc. So we've been doing quite a lot of work in that region, but that was actually before we came up with the Chromia ID. So we cannot promise that we'll have land registries on a public blockchain I anytime see. soon. That would be definitely more of a private blockchain. That we'd have that on, correct? Is that... Maybe in the future. There's quite, a lot, there's quite a lot of enterprise applications that are actually suitable for a public blockchain. If only that the public blockchain had the performance characteristics that you would require and sort of the stability of who is behind the, uh, running the nodes, etc. So I think that we can solve uh, some issues and we'll also have some enterprise applications on the, the blockchain. So what would you so so what would you see? And, and again, this is not necessarily what Chromio is, is doing, but what uh, you know, as as for being people that have been in blockchain for a, a very long time, uh, in terms of you know blockchain years, um, what do you see as as some of the you know, some of the things that blockchain can solve, like we're talking land registry, you know, in the past, people have talked about medical records on the blockchain, people have talked about, you know, buying art or buying pieces of buildings or all sorts of different things like this. What do you see as, um, again, just having that that knowledge and that background in blockchain? What do you see as some of the kind of the, the if, if you had you know, two or three items to say, you know, I wish this was on blockchain, this would solve a lot of the world's issues, or this would solve a lot of issues for a particular country. What do you see as as items that blockchain should be focusing on? Uh, well, it's, I think it's hard to pick um, just uh, like few because in theory, like use of blockchain is a trade off. So you uh, always had uh, good parts, which is like transparency and bad parts, you also like Need to handle things which, which like accident, like people accidentally losing their keys. So it's not not really easy to uh, handle um, this with blockchain. Like uh, it, de it depends on a lot of infrastructure. So you can say we, we just move the something to blockchain, it becomes better. It might become actually worse. But so it's, it's a long process. Uh, but I think uh, like. Um, uh, many kind of financial applications uh, will be better off on the blockchain uh, because it gives people access from different parts and removes intermediaries. And then there is like things which are related to transparency, for example, where there could be possible a fraud or some other issue and just putting this data on the blockchain, making it public and signing it and so on will make it much easier for bad actors to corrupt this data, withhold it or change, say it's actually was different, you misremember it. So if it's already available, so it can be like, it can be many industries, including like land registries as well. So I guess it's more relevant to say developing countries which have a lot of fraud or like uh, very bad infrastructure. So they could just digitize it, but maybe it's very hard for them to digitize it properly. So we can jump straight to the blockchain and make it public just to reduce this fraud and maybe some kind of 
mishandling of data. So maybe, you know, like actually in Sweden, a lot of data is public and it seems to be doing quite well. So a lot of public data can be on the blockchain. So it can be in many cases can be just incremental change. It does something positive, but maybe like not groundbreaking. Interesting. So I am actually thinking um, that my wife might be a bad actor and my brain might be a public blockchain because I feel like she can go in and reorganize my blocks to suit her memory. Um, you know, if I forget to do something and she's like, no, no, remember I told you to do this? And I feel like uh, I'm going to start calling her a bad actor now. Um, uh, <laughs> do you guys have to deal with that at all? Do you, uh, are your memories all intact? You guys all seem like uh, very I intelligent people. <laughs> I timestamp all my conversations with my wife on the Bitcoin blockchain. So. That's, I think that's what I need to do. I need uh, an, an immutable ledger of my, uh, of my actions and thoughts because, uh, yeah, my wife definitely messes with me, I think, too, a little too much. Um, so I, I do have another question about Chromia. I've been uh, I've been reading about Rel, R E L L. Um, what is that exactly? Um, to kind of uh, somebody that might be a little newer um, to to the kind of the technical aspects of blockchain. What is Rel? Uh, okay, so uh, it's a relational programming language. So it's uh, basically what Henrik spoke about. Uh, relational databases and SQL, RHEL actually realizes it. So like SQL is a very popular language, but it's very dated and it has many bad aspects and also it doesn't allow you to program uh, some things at, at, at all. So we had to develop our own language. We really considered using maybe uh, using existing language, but in the end we decided we need to do, do it from scratch. We're building a new language. So we incorporated some good parts from uh, SQL, like making it more, much more con conscious, much more uh, basically uh, organized, type safe, and added this uh, uh, common programming uh, structures, making familiar like uh, some popular languages like Kotlin or TypeScript. It's actually very similar. Uh, and yeah, we found that many people can pick it up very quickly. And uh, since it's very kind of tuned for this kind of programming it reduces dr dramatically reduces number of errors a number of boilerplate code people have to write you know like if you ha have to write a lot of code it's much more likely to be to have an error with rel you have to write much less code because it exactly captures intent of a programmer interesting that is uh, i didn't know that that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive um so I have another question here for you. Um, in in regards to the, um, again, the blockchain space, we hear the term interoperability a lot. Um, you know, you, you tend to hear certain buzzwords, that one being one of them. Um, is that a main focus for Chromia? Is that a, is that a buzzword that holds no water? Um, how do you see the term interoperability and how does that kind of affect how the the project is run uh well i see i think like interoperability is very nice but it's very expensive to have because to make something completely interoperable you need like reduce it to lowest common denominator which is not great so when you have so many new projects trying to have new features you really can't have a lot of interoperability because then you slow down them all and uh, make them basically 
synchronized and so on. But uh, uh, so I think it's like a luxury right now and maybe not really needed because uh, maybe you don't need to interoperate with some uh, project which is not great. Uh, but uh, in principle, it's of course, it's a nice thing where you actually have uh, some uh, basically a real uh, ability to interact. And uh, we have like, uh, there are also a lot of many kinds of, you can be interoperable with many things. So uh, this Chromia, we can, for example, you can allow people to use uh, directly SQL reads, so it's much easier to integrate uh, post-chain or Chromia with some more traditional application architecture using just direct SQL queries, a very familiar um, query model and so on. But yeah, in, in general, it's kind of very kind of complex question, it's kind of trade-off whether, whether you want to be interoperable or if you want something to be something unique and do it your way. Interesting. And, you know, okay, add a little bit that, you know, we often get the question, like, how can you, how can you either compete with Solidity or how can you assure that you're, you're compatible with Solidity? But if you look at, at the bigger picture outside of our industry, uh, Solidity isn't the biggest programming language on the planet. For example, Stack Overflow every year makes a survey of different technologies used, and SQL is the third tool after HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Uh, SQL comes first, ahead of Java. Solidity is not even on the top 20 list. Really? So we're making something that is actually compatible with a lot of, of normal development for normal developers in the normal world and normal tools. So... Um, so you're basically bringing, trying to bring Chromia into more of the, the, the normal realm as opposed to just specifically the blockchain realm. Absolutely. It should be almost as easy to make a blockchain application as a normal application. Exactly. And I think yeah. that's, that's one of the reasons that we are not seeing maybe a lot of these visionary uh, decentralized applications as we would hope that it's are we not are we saying? Quite hard. Are we saying CryptoKitties is not a life-changing app uh, that we can use? It changed a little bit on our market, uh, so it's, it it's sure cool, did. but uh, it, it has its weaknesses. Well, it, I think it I think it exposed the weaknesses of some of the projects to uh, an incapacity. So that's something that we are actually quite close to us. It's gaming, but maybe that's another question that you can post later. But, yeah. <laughs> actually, I'll follow up. I'll follow it up with that. Is there any gamification that's going to be uh, combined with on the Chromia on the Chromia project? No, but we can take a look at the CryptoKitties. Uh, it's nice that you have your NFT, you have your kittens on the blockchain. That's mm -hmm. good. But what happened if they close down the server? Like, right. It means that you have a binary code on a blockchain. So that's not the the full potential of blockchain gaming. And that's where something that we want to address with Chromia, that we can make public applications where the complete game logic is on a blockchain. And basically, most of the game is on a blockchain. And really? Ideally, you should have open source, so you, you also have a client that you can play it. But try to address those things. Uh, so we have a strategy for gaming. We actually launched a, a game studio, a Chromia Studios, to do some games of our own as examples, etc. So... That's fantastic. So um, I, I I do it. So you were an um, an IEO on KuCoin, correct? Is that am I getting that correct? Yes, we did this summer. And, yeah. 
And how was that as an experience for the company? Um, was that a was that an overall positive experience? Obviously, with um, you know uh, ICOs in the past, um, there's a lot of buzz around IEOs now. Um, and how was the experience for the project as a whole? Well, before that, we did a, a private pre-sale to mm -hmm. uh, more of a professional investors I see. Uh, with the ID, the analogy analogy of basically angel investment in a project you don't mm -hmm. i mean if it's an early product you don't go to the stock market and have everyone in the who exactly. invest into your company because it's it's a highly risky proposition it is very it can fail etc so we wanted to have more professional and sort of that angel funding model uh, basically reach out to to for the pre-sale where we handpicked investors but we got a lot of criticism for that why don't you reach out to a broader audience etc so that's why we decided we could do an ie of a smaller amount and get some more of the community into into the token well there so was also there was also some you know we'll call it quote unquote fud um surrounding you know obviously uh, uh kucoin has ian bellina as a, a, a representative or advisor, I'm not sure if that's still the case, but at one point he was. I believe he was. I believe he's an investor in Chromia uh, as well. But there was some fud surrounding that. Um, do you want to elaborate? Uh, I'm sure we'll get feedback from our listeners if we don't talk about it. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, Imbalina isn't uh, a special advisor to okay. us. He's. He's an investor. That mm -hmm. that's something that would be open with. He was an investor on the same terms as, as the other investors. Right. So no different and, than my. You know, if if I was an investor or anybody else was an investor, that that there was there was no additional, um, you know, additional benefit for Ian Blina. Is that what we're saying? No. And he has he has. It's not only yeah. He has a team, and he he. They could uh, actually spend some time to evaluate the technologies, etc. So not every investor did and that. So I think that, that's. Yeah. To defend to defend Ian a little bit too, he was very good as far as his research team prior to the um, the, uh, the 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 debacle of his phone and passwords and whatnot. On uh, I forget what the app was now. I can't think of it. But he, I mean, I remember uh, you know he he did a a lot of good research in my opinion and was fairly successful during the during the uh, the ICO phase. Um, or the you know the the pandemonium that was the ICO phase, um, but obviously got a lot of uh, a lot of negative attention with his phone hack and all that fun stuff. Um, but no, it doesn't shock me that you say you know his team was was out there doing research because prior to that, that's what he was really well known for. It was was you know doing fairly good research, uh, most probably better than most people. Um, that participate in ICOs and IEOs and buying tokens. So, um, yeah, it doesn't shock me to hear that that the team was there doing I mean, some good it's research. A cr it's a crazy industry, so much bad-mouthing and rumors being spread and uh, sort of malicious things about various things. People are upset that they didn't get in, win the lottery on the KuCoin and they are upset right, KuCoin. Exactly. They're upset that they didn't get... The, handpicked to be investors i think they're the product, upset so they upset and spread various things but yeah. well i think a lot of people uh i think a lot of people got upset buying a twenty thousand dollar bitcoin and then seeing it go down to 3500 or whatever it went down to um and that does create a uh a, a system of of 
of angry uh, computer people, <laughs> which which can spread a lot of venom throughout um, throughout the you know the the, the whole space, right? So it, yeah, having people bad mouthing a lot of rumors, a lot of you know just angry people, and you know because they, again, like you said, they didn't win the lottery in 2017, or they missed the boat in 2018, or whatever they did. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm glad to hear. Uh, that there was um, that there was research done on Ian's side, and again, at the end of the day, he's just a regular investor like anybody else could have been. I that is all the questions I have in regards to the project. Um, is there anything I missed um, that you would like to talk about as far as maybe particular highlights to the project? I mean, I, I think that. The- Alex wrote a very very nice blog post uh, called "Towards Publicly Hosted Applications" that we have have on our Chromia blog. So, more about the vision, uh, how this can solve issues around the project with free and open source software that it's uh, only working on your computer rather than sort of in a cloud situation, and uh, the power shift from uh, from monopolies to uh, other ways of funding and from big companies to uh, actually use a participation. So um, that's something I'll, that you could read or we can discuss whatever you... I was going to say, I'm, I was going to uh, post that blog to the show notes. So uh, when, when people, uh, if people want to give that a read, uh, they'll be able to do so uh, right from, uh, right from uh, the downloading uh, space that they're using, whether it's Apple or... Spotify, or if they're or if they're listening on YouTube, they'll be able to read that from there. But I would like to get into some fun things now, because uh, as I mentioned to you uh, before the show started, Henrik, uh, a lot of a lot of the uh, a lot of the shows in blockchain, a lot of the podcasts, a lot of the YouTubers, this this can get pretty heavy. This is a lot of heavy material that we're going over, um, and you know we we like to keep things light here at Wrecked Podcast, so. Uh, we've gotten to know the project. We've asked the questions. Uh, we want to get to know. Uh, we want to get to know Alex and Henrik a little bit more. So we're going to go into some rapid fire questions. All right, I'm going to start with Henrik. Um, Henrik, growing up, what was your favorite band? Uh, the Smiths and Sonic Youth and Lissy. Oh. Yeah, these are very good choices. I'm a huge Smiths fan, um, a Thin Lizzy fan as well. So great, great choices. Uh, how about yourself, Alex? What, uh, what what did you listen to growing up? I was I was mostly like metal music, like Black Sabbath, uh, Borzum, Death, things like that. Some. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you what your favorite breakfast food is, guys. I'll start with again. We'll start with Henrik. What's your favorite breakfast food? I mean, the English breakfast is such a marvelous invention. So English cooking is so underrated, and the a great English breakfast that that's fantastic. Are we are we talking about bangers and mash? Is this is this? Uh, bacon egg, of course. Yes. Toast that's done. Uh, sort of. On the frying pan, uh, mm-hmm. tomato made in the oven. So okay, 
Yeah. Alex, how about yourself? Uh, yeah, I like. Uh, I usually don't eat breakfast actually, but uh, or like just have coffee or something like that, uh, cookie. But when I do, I up for English breakfast as well, or I just um, make like fried eggs, like my my own recipe basically. Also pretty decent. <laughs> Interesting. So what's a traditional, um, you know, a, a traditional Swedish breakfast? Is that is that a thing? I don't know Swedish food that much, unfortunately. Uh, what's it? What would that consist of? Yeah, um, something called uh, something yogurt like that we have another kind of of, of yogurt. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's that's a lot of that stuff. Okay. Uh, but very uh, very basic. Is that what we're saying? Like not yeah. nothing too elaborate, like bacon and eggs and pancakes and no, French no, no, toast. No, no, or anything. no sweet things. <laughs> no bread. Yogurt, bread and bread and yogurt and juice, maybe. So, uh, not juice. That that's uh, that's unswedish. We don't have any. Any oh. any oranges or anything like that. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, next question I have on my list. Um, what is your favorite uh, telephone? Or your your you know if you're using iPhone or Android, what's your favorite app that you use currently? Alex, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I'm actually not sure. <laughs> like I just uh, like I just play music. I don't really play like use many apps or set like you know browsing Twitter for example. Yeah, I'm I'm actually yeah I'm maybe a Twitter addict right now. So probably Twitter. Uh, but yeah, like I also play some mobile games and things like that. Anything you'd recommend right now? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I play like very, very simple stuff like Plants vs. Zombies and My Singing Monsters. Actually, it's my daughter plays My Singing Monsters. I don't play it myself, but I like it a lot. It's like very, <laughs> very cool game. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a recommendation for one because I've been playing one for the last two weeks that is very addictive, very simple, um, called Rovercraft. Um, so if you haven't tried this yet and you're looking for something simple, I don't like very complex games on my phone or my iPad. I like, you know, something I can play for a couple of minutes and then put it away and then pick it up. Uh, Rovercraft, you basically have to build, uh, progressively build a better, uh, moon Rover and get across different planets. It's quite good. So highly recommend, uh, uh Henrik, what is your favorite app you're currently using? I'm such a boring person. So it's like a business app, Evernote, and it's <laughs> old as well. Like I, I, I do note taking. I use the company Sulipchat. That's what I do on the apps. No games or anything like that. No, no games. Just Evernote, taking notes yeah. consistently. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Working hard, man. Well, you know somebody's got to be working hard. So I appreciate that it's not me. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I have a question for you. Um, I I asked this question. Uh, for a lot of the guests, but I'm not sure if if this particular holiday is celebrated very much in 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 your area in Sweden. Is Halloween a big uh, big day in Sweden? Uh, it, about ten years ago, we started to import uh, Halloween. Like uh, we import everything from the U.S., including now uh, Halloween. Uh, but it, it's really nice. Uh, I have two children, and uh, it's nice. Uh, so as a, as a child, you never had you never had the experience of uh, trick or treating. Um, no, 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 no. Oh my goodness! Didn't exist. No. Normally, what I ask uh, is, what was your favorite Halloween costume as a child? But in this sense, I will ask: if you were a child, what would be your Halloween costume you would go as this year? 
So say you were 10 years old, what would you choose as your Halloween costume? I had this idea that I have a car on the outside that we could sort of make the lights go on in the night based on, on someone approaching our house and we could have someone in the car so like scare the shit out of people. So that would be <laughs> something like to do for Halloween. So I have my secret plans. Yeah. Interesting. I like the fact that you went with scaring the shit out of somebody because that's where I like to do most of the time. I, I, I do a lot of decorations around the house. Uh, we have a lot of kids in our neighborhood and I love, I have two daughters. Uh, I have loved scaring them. So yes, scaring kids on Halloween is one of my favorite things to do. So I'm glad to see that you've taken that. Uh, Alex, what about yourself? If you were 10 years old uh, and, and you were going trick-or-treating for the first time, what would you, uh, what would you be choosing as a, uh, as a costume? Uh, well, I haven't thought about it much, but uh, maybe, <laughs> is that, maybe, is maybe that... like uh, some black metal, black metalist would be a good costume, you know. Uh, actually, I, I actually did something like that, not Halloween, but just, just for regular, uh, like playing around. So like we were really into black metal, so I could see myself uh, doing like ritual, it's called actually ritual corpse paint, you know, and then they uh, white face with black stripes, things like that. That's fantastic. Uh, it's funny. Um, I, I, I don't work, I have the podcast, but I actually, you know, I, I, I do work a uh, quote unquote regular job. Um, and uh, in, in, in my company, one of my coworkers, um, had asked me to, uh, to come see his concert. He, he was in a band. Um, so I said, yeah, absolutely. He knew I loved music. Um, and so, you know, I, I make my way over to go see him and he was in a, uh, a, what I call a metal band. Uh, I understand there are many subgenres in, in metal. Uh, but you know, we're, we're, we're in the, in the business world. We're in, uh, in account management and we're, you know, we're always wearing suits and, and that kind of thing. And he comes out with, uh, with what I assume would be Alex's Halloween costume, uh, with the face paint or which I thought, I think it was face paint, but yeah, he looked like a completely different person and he's a lead guitar player in a metal band. Uh, I think it was called is, is, uh, I might be getting this wrong. Is shoegaze, a, a, a type of metal, Alex? Uh well, I don't know, like, but yes, there is there is shoegaze type of metal. It's not not really metal, but something something kind of like that. That's more of a melodic that, is that metal. Correct? Is that well, is no, that it's actually more like uh, textures, and it's like uh, making some cool sound. It's like more like uh, it's like it's like a wall of sound, but it's beautiful. Something like that. I, I see. No, so I was very, I, I was introduced to this whole world of, of, of metal and all of the different genres within it. So, um, so I'm going to ask one last question here, kind of keeping in the, uh, the Halloween theme a little bit. Um, but what is, what would be your weapon of choice? Um, obviously zombies are a very popular thing right now and the zombie apocalypse is talked about by everybody. So if, uh, Alex, if you were in, if the zombie apocalypse happened today, what would be your one weapon of choice? If you had one weapon to choose to survive the zombie apocalypse, what would that be? Uh, well, it's probably not effective at all, but a mace, something like heavy, uh, just, you know, like, this is something I can operate. I know, I know it's not very hard, but I'm, I'm not sure if it's effective against zombies, but at least you can have some fun with it. Great answer. Uh, what about yourself, Henrik? I, I do own a chainsaw, 
and I can use it. So yeah, I would probably use that one. Yeah. And uh, well, that's that's. I mean, you only have a certain amount of fuel in the chainsaw. Hopefully, we can get a uh, uh, some sort of uh, gas can to carry with you to refill. Yeah, I have a great axe as well. So. Oh, good. That's what you need. That's what you need. You need something that uh, that's uh, you know re- renewable uh, as far as uh, as far as energy goes. Uh, all right, that does it for the rapid fire questions, gentlemen. Uh, I just want to give you a moment here uh, uh, to discuss anything. If you wanna if you wanna point people in the right direction as far as the websites, as far as social media accounts, uh, the floor is yours. Uh, where can people find you? I guess that everything is linked from chromia.com, C-H-R-O-M-I-A.com. So uh, we have links to Telegram channels. We have a link to our new game company, Chromia Studios. And uh, yeah, very so- well, Twitter and as well, of course. Where are you the most act- active? Is it is it on Telegram? Is it on Twitter? Do we have a Discord site? Uh, well, I'm, I'm on Twitter. So if somebody wants to contact me personally for any reason, I'm Killer Storm on Twitter. And also we have developer chat on Telegram where we have like rather calm discussions. So if any developers want to talk about Chromia, I guess they can go to developer chat. Otherwise, yeah, on Telegram, there's more discussion, but, you know, it's quite noisy. Uh, yeah. No no Discord so far, but something we consider. No, that's perfect. I, I actually just started using Discord a little bit more uh, in the last uh, month or two. Uh, I was a little hesitant to use it just because it seemed very, you know, it seemed like a lot of work. Um, but the more I use it, the more I like it. So... Uh, Discord always seems to be uh, seems to be the way to go these days. I'm I'm a big Telegram person myself as well. So um, we will link all of those socials. I will link uh, the site in there as well. Um, but that does it for the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, and until next time, don't get wrecked. And that is financial advice. <laughs>